This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Midweek edition of Rico Bronia. It's been a busy week so far for the Mets. The GM meetings are going on in Scottsdale, Arizona. We heard from David Stearns. We got a final contract decision from Adam Adovino a few days earlier, Omar Narvaez. And obviously the big story, Carlos Mendoza is the new manager of the New York Mets. Craig Council shocks us all. <coughs> doesn't go back to Milwaukee. Doesn't take the Mets job. He actually goes to the Chicago Cubs, much to the chagrin of the Milwaukee Brewers. So it's been a couple of days. And I'm disappointed they didn't get Craig Council. And I said that on our instant reaction. And I still feel that way. For those that question Craig Council and say, since when did he become an all-time great manager? All he's done is losing the playoffs. Why is he the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball? Look, it's very, very simple. Most of the time, good managers, and I'll call him a good manager. I'm not going to call him a great manager, but a good accomplished manager usually doesn't get the free agency. Usually, they're not available to go anywhere. The good managers have contracts. The good managers are not fired. The good managers never get to free agency. It's a rare, rare occurrence. It happens but it doesn't happen often. So usually when you're looking for a manager, you're selecting between the pot of first-timers, the pot of failed managers, or the pot of older managers that are unemployed. So it's usually not like the greatest slam-dunk selection of managers. So when you have a guy who's accomplished and has done a solid, solid job in Milwaukee where they've won, maybe not in the postseason, but they win a lot of games every single year with a limited payroll, and that guy becomes available, that guy's going to be a better option than your normal, you know, hey, I'm taking a gamble on a first-timer, or hey, I'm going to hope Andy Green's a lot better his second time around. So I just want to explain that. That's why Craig Council had value. That's why he turned out to be the highest-paid manager in baseball. What has become clear from what David Stern said the other day and from a lot of the great reporting that's been done over the last few days, is that ultimately, he didn't want to come here. He didn't. And you know what? That's okay. I'm not bitter. Wanted to go to Chicago. He got the best of both worlds. Good for him. So we as Met fans have to pivot. Carlos Mendoza is a first-time manager, and none of us have any idea what the hell he's going to be as a manager. Are there some positives from his resume? Absolutely. Being in New York for the last decade or so can't hurt. It doesn't mean he's going to solve the media puzzle easily. It doesn't mean he's going to run the locker room so incredibly well. We don't know, but it's certainly not a negative that he's been here in New York. It's certainly not a negative that it seemed like every team, not just the Mets, fell in love with him. And I'll tell you the other thing that's sort of intriguing. A lot of times with coaching searches in the NFL, we saw it with Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, with manager searches in Major League Baseball, as we certainly implied it with Craig Council, there's always like a connection. 
Now, you hire people you know, and sometimes that's a good thing when you're working together, but then sometimes you keep your bubble so small. The fact that David Stearns, in his first managerial hiring, because remember, he didn't hire Craig Council, he just kept him in Milwaukee. The fact he went outside his bubble and he didn't just go back to his Brewer ties, I think is a positive development. It means that Carlos Mendoza did something in those interviews that even without having a past relationship with David Stearns was convincing enough for David Stearns to say, that's my guy. So where am I right now midweek? Again, disappointed they didn't get the sure thing or the safe thing. Maybe sure thing is too strong. Disappointed they didn't get the safe, safe choice. But we'll now have to wait and see. We'll hear from Carlos Mendoza, and we'll obviously analyze all the moves he makes and how this locker room is handled. Now, let me get to a lot of your emails because a lot of people were very upset about this Carlos Mendoza hiring. And the one thing I do not get from my fellow Med fans is how in one breath you could be anti-Mendoza. And I understand first-time manager learning on the job. I have all those concerns too. I'm not trying to act like I don't have them. But how you could have those concerns about Mendoza and yet vehemently hate Mendoza and want Beltron. That doesn't make sense to me. That means you're making a decision based on what a guy was as a player. And as Ted Williams taught us many years ago, you can be the greatest player in the world. It doesn't gonna, it's not making you a great manager. So if you're concerned about Mendy learning on the job, fair concern. How you would not have that about Carlos Beltran, I don't understand. Here's Ben A. Gentlemen, I did not think Craig Council was a mortal lock to be an all-time manager for the Mets, but I have to say I do not like the Carlos Mendeza hiring. The job is too big for a first-time manager. I have a fear that this is a Luis Rojas all over again. There are too many big names for a guy without experience to be effective. On top of Lindor, Alonzo McNeil, if you're planning to add guys like Shohei Otani and Yamamoto, who will need to be handled very carefully in his first MLB season, I don't see how this is the job for a first-time manager. I hope I'm completely wrong, and I can look back on this email and laugh while we are in the Canyon of Heroes, but I don't see it. Great, Keep up the great work, Ben. Those concerns are fair. We are talking about a guy, no matter how much experience he had as a bench coach or a roving defense instructor or everything he did in the Yankee organization, you're talking about a guy that's going to have to manage for the very first time with pressure on him. I don't care what the Mets do this offseason. Even if they don't fulfill our goals of spending big, the New York Mets are still going to have a big payroll and they're still going to have high expectations. Maybe not as high as last year, but they're going to have high expectations. I think those concerns are fair. But once Craig Council's not the guy, and remember, Ben starts this email by saying, I didn't think it was an an all-time mortal lock. Well, then ask yourself, okay, if it's not Craig Council, where did you want to go? Now, I mentioned some other veteran names they could have gone down the road of, but David Stearns was very honest when he met the media the other day. And I know this is going to piss a lot of people off, but this is the reality of baseball. He talked about the partnership between the front office and the manager's office, that there's going to be pushback. There's going to be arguments. The manager's going to insist on this. The front office is going to insist on this. And fighting is good, which I agree with. It's like the Lincoln administration. Team arrivals. You want to have disagreements and then come to the best decision possible. But he's admitting that this isn't 1983 anymore. So I don't know if Joe Girardi, one of the guys I brought up, was going to be as simpatico with the David Stearns administration. Fred Solomon writes, so for his first two acts as P.O.B.O., P.O.B.O., president of baseball operations. Okay, sorry, it took me a few seconds. 
So his first two actions as P.O.B.O., Stearns fired Buck through Epler and hired an unknown first-time manager when he had two better candidates in-house. How do you not kick the tires on Beltran or Eric Chavez? Why was Stearns so eager to hire outside of the organization? I'll add that I'm glad Council didn't get it because it sounded like he really wasn't invested in the first place and had a serious Art Howe feel to him, to the point where I'm waiting for the I didn't know Max Fried was a lefty soundbite. <laughs> a couple of things. First of all, Craig Council may not have worked here. Who the hell knows? It may have been Art Howe 2.0. I'm pretty confident Craig Council would have at least been prepared. <laughs> like, I don't think we would have had any confusion. Number two, they kicked the tires on Carlos Beltran. And I bet you they kicked the tires on Eric Chavez. And the reason I say that is even though there weren't interviews, David Stern said there was a wide net. And I think when you have a wide net, it doesn't mean every single person you're looking into gets interviewed. Like, he was asked specifically about Carlos Beltran. And his answer was, yeah, he's going to stay in the organization. We talked to him and said, I think right now with having a young family, this wasn't the gig for Carlos. So I think it was a thought. And I think whether it's more David Stern saying I'm not interested or it's more Beltron saying I'm not interested. It's been four years since I had that job. A lot has changed. I don't want to do it. I think they looked at it and decided this isn't the way to go. And my question with Eric Chavez, not that he isn't a good candidate, not that he wouldn't be a really good manager someday. Why would we be convinced, Fred, that Chavez is a really good candidate, but Carlos Mendoza isn't? Like, in a lot of ways, it's similar. They'd be first-time managers in New York who have experience coaching in New York. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ed Flood writes, I wanted to start off by saying by no measure do I think Steve Cohen is cheap. That would be a false statement. I also don't think Mendoza is a bad hire. That being said, it just seems like he's not paying top dollar for his guys, which is concerning. He literally said he's not spending as much this year, and everyone is taking it as he just said that, but I really think he's going to spend a lot, and we don't want to admit it. With that being said, it's stupid not to spend money on pitching this offseason with the way stuff or lack thereof is currently destructed. And if he cheaps on them like he did with Council this year and even with Correa last year, I'm worried he won't get Otani, Yamamoto, or any good starting pitcher, which is kind of unacceptable. We're going to learn a lot, a lot, about Steve Cohen, David Stearns, and this new Met organization based on how aggressive they are in free agency this offseason. David Stearns said in his press conference, and I agree with him, we want to build a farm system that's sustainable. We want to win consistently, and that means we're probably not going to trade a lot of our farm system, which I agree with. It's why I said a few weeks ago, I don't think they're seriously in on Juan Soto. Now, he also said you never shut everything down. It doesn't mean they'll never make a trade. It doesn't mean they won't trade prospects, but he certainly implied that they are not in position right now to take a lot of their young players and trade them away for stars. So if they're going to rebuild this pitching staff, which is priority number one, two, and three, they're going to have to buy starting pitching free agents. Will it be the guys we're envisioning? Or are they going to go in a tier three and fill out their rotation on one and two year deals with average to subpar starting pitching? I am holding out hope that there will be one big ad, a medium ad, and a small ad to fix this rotation. But Ed's right. If they walk away with an underwhelming offseason, there's going to be a lot of anger from us as Met fans. We're never going to call Steve Cohen cheap necessarily, but we're going to be vastly disappointed. Where I disagree with that is, I don't think they cheaped out on Craig Council. I don't think that's what happened. I think that David Stearns knew a week ago, and he said this as much, they knew he wasn't really that interested in the job. They talked to him, he showed a little bit of interest, and Stearns said late last week, we kind of got the feel this wasn't the job he wanted. And he got the job he wanted, because what he got with Chicago, and I said this before, is he got the best of every world. He got the big payroll, he got the higher expectations, and he got to stay local. So I don't think the Mets losing David, uh, losing Craig Council with Steve Cohen cheapening out. I don't buy that. Now, what they do when it comes to adding starting pitching, we'll all have strong opinions about that. I think they need to be super aggressive. I think a guy like Yamamoto is so perfect because even if you're on the timeline of we think we'll be good this year, but we think we're really going to be good next year and the year after, well, guess what? Yamamoto fits that timeline. Because he's only 25 years old. So I I don't necessarily buy that they were cheapening on the manager hire. And that's an indication they're going to cheap on the free agent additions. What I think they're going to do 
and I'm guessing here, is they prioritize a few guys that they're willing to spend big money on. Like last year, he was willing to spend that big money on Carlos Correa until the medicals came back. I think that Otani and Yamamoto are two guys they circle and say, we're going to aggressively go after them. Doesn't mean they're going to get them, but they are going to be one of the top bidders for both guys. If they don't get either guy, for whatever reason, maybe Otani doesn't want to come to the East Coast, and in Yamamoto's case, they make a monster offer, but maybe Yamamoto has a preference to go to the West Coast. Who the hell knows, right? They bid on both guys aggressively. They don't get both guys. Yet, then I think there's a worry of they're not just going to spend for the sake of spending. Like, I don't necessarily think, and by the way, you listening to this could find this to be a big negative, or you could say, no, this is smart business. I think they're going to offer big money to the guys they want, and I think that's Yamamoto and Otani, but I don't think if they lose out on both, they're going to say, ah, let's offer Aaron Nola $200 million. I don't think they're going to say, well, we have to spend the money on somebody since we weren't able to get our preferences. So if they miss out on those guys, yeah, this could turn into a very disappointing offseason in terms of who they get. But that's not being cheap. That's saying we're willing to spend on these guys, but not much else because we don't believe in those other guys because we don't think those other guys are worth the investment. Jimmy writes, this hire tells me dot, dot, dot. Uh Uh-oh. What does this hire tell Jimmy? Guys, I don't know anything about Mendoza's bench coach. I like that he's young and has experience in New York, but this hire tells me Stearns is going to be unpredictable and, in my first impression, wants to move on from this current team. Outside of Lindor and Nimmo, who both have hard contracts to move, I think everyone from Alvarez to Alonzo to Mauricio to Acuna to Jet Williams are on the table. I don't think we can say, I, I don't think we can now say this is what Stearns is going to do next. He'll be in on free agents, but I think he really wants personnel changes on the field. I don't believe David Stearns is coming here saying, I need my guys. I don't buy that. I think he's going to make the best decisions for the team. If Pete Alonso isn't on this team, it's not going to be because, well, I didn't draft him. It's going to be because they, even if I disagree with them, don't want to pay the contract Scott Boris insists on. Willis writes, I can see the headline now. We all know it's going to happen sometime in June or July after a brutal seven-game losing streak that sees us fall below 500. It will say, quote, the Mets fall below the Mendoza line. It will 100% be a New York Post headline. (laughs) Let's be honest. None of of us actually know much about this guy. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. But it sure feels like a dud. Here's to hoping it's wrong, but this feels like the first failure under David Stearns. It's not a failure. It's just that we don't know a lot about him. We were expecting somebody established. And so anybody they hired that wasn't an established name was going to be disappointing. Think about this. Think about the other people they interviewed. Mark Kotze, who had lost 200-plus games in the last two years, and Andy, it ain't easy being green, green. If they had hired any of those guys, wouldn't we be saying the exact same thing? (laughs) Wouldn't the exact same thing be happening where we're all disappointed? So I think it was one of those hires that once they moved on from Buck Showalter, once they made that decision, and I do think most of us agreed that Buck had a bad year last year. Let's not forget what we thought about him managing the team a year ago. Let's not act like Buck Showalter is Connie Mack. The only point I made about Buck is it would have looked good and it would have been the right thing to do to say, hey, I'm going to give him a fair look. Doesn't mean David Stearns was ever going to hire him. He was never going to hire him. He was never going to keep him, but... I understand looking at firing him without ever really talking to him 
and then never giving him a fair shake for this job just looks, it looks weird. I mean, Buck's a finalist for the Angels' job. But there was never a scenario where he was going to be kept. So we have a manager. Step one of this offseason is now complete. Carlos Mendoza. Step number two, Adam Adovino, partially because Billy Epler's gone, <laughs> according to Adam, partially because Buck Showalter's gone, who the players adored. That's one thing we have heard universally. The players absolutely loved Buck Showalter, which, look, it's a statement of fact. That doesn't mean they shouldn't have got rid of him. I think the Jet players love Robert Sala. What the hell does that mean? It's about winning and losing. But Adam Adovino decided to turn down his player option of $6.5 million. When we were talking about the bullpen options earlier this season or earlier this offseason, and you could check that out in the archives of Rico Bronia, I was a little bit more hopeful that Adam Adovino would pick up his option only because, not that I think he's going to repeat what he did last year, which was not a bad season, even though some Met fans have defined it as a bad season. It just wasn't as good as he was in 2022. And he's 38 years old, and look, he could very well be on the decline. There's a chance we see the Adam Adovino from, let's say, 2017 or the Adam Adovino from 2021 that walks the ballpark and isn't very good. Like, that's absolutely on the table. He's 38 years old. But he's had two solid years, one good year in 22, one not as good year in 2023. But you now have to replace him. And that's why I was hopeful that Adam Adovino would elect his player option because look at the way this Met bullpen is constructed right now. You've got two guys, that's it, that you feel decent to good about in Edwin Diaz coming off a major injury and Brooks Raley. That's it. Because with Adovino out of the fold for now, they could always bring him back. Look who you're looking at. You're looking at Drew Smith and they'll have to make a decision on Trevor Gott and Jeb Brigham. There are not a lot of good bullpen options that fit right now. They did pick up... uh, Penn Murphy from the Seattle Mariners, who's injured but has good stuff and could be a good addition late this next season. But now it just means the Mets have to add another arm to this bullpen. And it could be Adam Adovino. It could be. Adam Adovino is going to test the market now. He's going to check out and see how much can he get coming off a solid year and a really good year the year before. Relievers are so up and down. They're extreme when it comes to up and down. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As far as David Stearns is concerned, I listened to what he had to say yesterday. Uh, He was certainly not as combative as Brian Cashman. (laughs) There was no fighting. David was, uh, seemed like he was smiling the entire time, seemed pretty happy. The pieces of news he gave us is they're not hiring a general manager. Okay. He's going to work collaboratively with this manager. He couldn't confirm it was Carlos Mendoza, but we all know it's Carlos Mendoza. And didn't tell us specifics, nor would he, about what they're going to do in this offseason. So I'm reading the tea leaves. And like I said before, when he was asked about Shohei Otani and a big ticket item, he's obviously not going to close the door. You really can't if you're an executive in Major League Baseball. But he sounded, if I'm reading the tea leaves, as, yeah, of course we're going to be in on it. And I don't think there's any doubt. So I think this Met offseason 
which they need to be aggressive in terms of starting pitching. And that's not the only thing they need, but that's the clear priority. I think they've got their multiple guys that they are going to target and they're going to be aggressive for. How aggressive is Steve Cohen going to be? We're still learning. Because one thing I knew about George, and even Hal with the Yankees, is that when they want somebody, specifically Garrett Cole, specifically CeCe Sabathia from a decade and a half ago, they will leave no stone unturned. They will get that guy. So far in the early years of Steve Cohen, I guess I felt that way about Scherzer. Like I sort of got that impression that they targeted Max Scherzer. They wanted Max Scherzer and they were not going to let him sign elsewhere. But then simultaneously, they were going aggressively after Kevin Gaussman. And so if Gaussman had signed the deal with the Mets, are they getting Max Scherzer? Maybe not. So will Steve Cohen and David Stearns identify Shohei Otani, who not only transforms this lineup, he does. He absolutely transforms the lineup. Think about it. You go from DHing Daniel Vogelback to DHing Shohei Otani? You go from potentially a DH platoon, because I've thought about, hey, what will this lineup look like if they're not aggressive in terms of adding position players? It's more adding pitching, which I think I'd be okay with because they need more pitching than anything. You could potentially be looking at a DH platoon of Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos versus Shohei Otani. And that doesn't even include the pitching capabilities of 2025 and obviously doesn't include the stuff we don't care about, but Steve may care about, and that's the marketability and the sponsorship and the ticket sales of Shohei Otani. But if Steve Cohen identifies Otani as, I will not miss. He will get the biggest offer from me. And he's going to have to take less money to not be a New York Met. That's what we're going to learn about with with Steve Cohen and with David Stearns. And then also, how does he build this rotation? He said something interesting in terms of this rotation and competition in spring training. He said competition's good in spring training. And I think there's going to be a competition, especially amongst Mauricio and Beatty and Vientos, whether it's for the third base job, whether it's a DH at-bats, in Mauricio's case, maybe second base. Like, I do think we're looking at some pretty fun competitions in 2024. What we want to take out of it, though, I don't know. Because Brett Beatty had a great spring training last year. What the hell did that mean? So sometimes, you know, we go into spring training and say, hey, there's a competition. This is great. Let the best man win. The Yankees had one at shortstop. The Mets sort of didn't really have one last year, even though they should have had one last year. You can go win the competition. Then you got to go hit when the lights are brightest. But he talked about a competition for the fifth spot in the rotation. And when we did our starting pitching podcast last week, I made it clear. I prefer not to have that. I think it's important for the Mets to come into spring training with five established starting pitchers. They've got two right now in Kodai Senga and Jose Quintana. That's why I want to see them add three starting pitchers in free agency. And specifically free agency. Because I agree with David Stearns. I don't have a huge appetite to trade prospects right now. There is a report nationally that there seems to be a market for middle infielders and outfielders position players in the trade market. That could work for the Mets. Not Starling Marte. He's got no value. But Jeff McNeil. We've all talked about how valuable McNeil is, but in the right deal, you'd move him. So I can't just say definitively, I want to trade Jeff McNeil. I trade Jeff McNeil in the right deal, though. Can they get a really solid middle of the rotation arm who's got controllability for Jeff McNeil? 
I'm intrigued by that. That's something to take a look at. But I think they need to add three starting pitchers. David Stern said, I'm not opposed to having a competition for the fifth spot in the rotation. But he also added, or the sixth spot in the rotation if we have a six-man rotation. Ding, ding, ding. What does that mean? Follow-up question. What will help dictate David to have a six-man rotation? And he specifically mentioned Kodai Senga. And we've talked about it a lot. Kodai Senga only made three starts, if memory serves correct, on quote-unquote regular rest. Kodai Senga being in this rotation in year number two in Major League Baseball could mean he should pitch on regular rest more. That's not what I took out of it. What I took out of it was Yamamoto. Because if you're adding Yamamoto on a seven-year, $200 million deal at age 25 years old, coming off of pitching in Japan, what do you think the Mets are going to do with a rotation that features one guy transitioning from Japan and another guy that just transitioned from Japan? More than any other time, a six-man rotation would make sense. If the competition is for the fifth spot, uh, sixth spot in the rotation, if the competition between Jose Budo and Joey Lucchese and David Peterson and Tyler McGill and Christian Scott and Mike Vassell, if that's a competition for six, I'm in. And I don't mind a six-man rotation. I think it makes a lot of sense on many levels, but it really makes sense if they get Yamamoto. Will that be the Mets' big target in free agency? Yeah, I think they're going heavy after Yamamoto, heavy after Otani. But if they don't get either guy, then my impression is they may not then pivot to another top guy. I don't think they will. But interesting hearing from David Stearns. Don't expect a lot of trades or free agent signings at the GM meetings. It's really just kind of setting the table for what happens next for the rest of the offseason. The other piece of Met news that came out this week is Metropolitan Park, the proposal from Steve Cohen. We are years and years and years and years away from this proposal coming through. Basically, it would turn the surrounding area of City Field into just like a paradise. There would be a casino. There'd be live music. There'd be bars. There'd be restaurants. And obviously, like most of us, it's a no-brainer. Great. That'd be fantastic. For years, we've gone to Shea Stadium and City Field, and there's nothing around it. Meanwhile, you go to Yankee Stadium, there's tons of things around it. You go to Madison Square Garden, there's tons of things around it. You go to Barclays Center, tons of things around it. So you go around different cities in Major League Baseball, a part of what makes those stadiums awesome is not just the stadium, but all the options you have around it. So obviously, that part's great. Are you waiting for the negative? Because there's about to be a negative. I'm not just looking for a negative. I looked at this map that was released, this big plan around City Field. And yeah, my first reaction is what everyone's first reaction is. This is cool. This will be fun. It'll be 20 years from now, but yeah, it'll be great. But I noticed a huge negative that we need to address. If you go to Met games right now, whether it's five games a year, 20 games a year, two games a year, and you drive, you would admit that driving the city field in terms of parking lot access is a lot better than driving to Yankee Stadium. It's a lot better than driving to a lot of stadiums around Major League Baseball because city field is literally surrounded by parking lots. Granted, they're really, really expensive, and that sucks, but parking is great around city field. The plan that they laid out, 
they're going to make parking a disaster. They're going to do layered parking. Oh my God. Layered parking is the worst. Like when I go to Yankee stadium and I go there a few times a year, obviously I will do anything in my power to not put my car in a parking lot because layered parking means you're trapped like a dog for hours after a game. It is the absolute worst. So what's unfortunate is that you're taking a really good parking situation and you're destroying it. Do the positives outweigh the negatives? It depends on your lifestyle. It depends. Like if you take the train to City Field right now, if you take the LIRR to City Field right now, then you would say, who cares, Evan? And I don't blame you. Who cares? You don't drive. And you're going to get to enjoy the beautiful Flushing Queens nightlife now with casinos and bars and restaurants, and that's badass. But if you take your family to City Field, if you drive to City Field, which the majority of people still do, that is going to be hell. Layered parking where they put the, they build a building and it's one layer on top of an, oh my God. And based on what I saw, there's only going to be two units because the rest of it is going to be these beautiful parks, which again, is going to be really nice. But think about when you drive to Yankee Stadium. Driving to City Field so much better than driving to Yankee Stadium. This is just my opinion. I'm probably biased because I am at that point in my life where I take my kids to games, where I drive. If this was eight years ago when I used to take the train occasionally to the ballpark, I don't know, it'd probably still annoy me. Because <laughs> there's nothing that bothers me more than layered parking. Even if I'm not the one parking, it's just awful. So give me your op, give me your thoughts. You with me on this or are you just so excited about Metropolitan Park? The other thing in our email at thericob at gmail.com, coming up this weekend, we are going to lay out our off-season plan specifically, specifically our off-season plan. And I advise everybody, if you want to submit your off-season plan, to just try to make it as realistic as possible. I know that's tough because we don't necessarily know how much Steve Cohen is willing to spend, so we're guessing. But let's not just say, sign Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, Yamamoto, Ota. Like, try to have some level of realism when it comes to a plan. I'm putting together my plan. I've asked various people at WFN to put together their plan. A few guys from my Mets text chat is going to put together their plan, and you could submit your Mets offseason plan at thericob at gmail.com, and we will react to it, we will analyze it, and we will certainly give you credit if it's a damn good plan. If the plan sucks, we may mock you. If my plan sucks, you can mock me. It's all up to you. So you could submit those. We'll be doing that over the weekend on Rico Bronia. Thericob at gmail.com, thericob at gmail.com. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening. A lot of Rico's coming up during this offseason. Keep your ears ready for instant reactions when news breaks, but you're always guaranteed a Rico being posted sometime on Wednesday and a Rico posted sometimes on a Sunday. But obviously these days with the offseason, there may be a lot more than that, and it may be all over the calendar, so keep your ears peeled. We appreciate you listening and downloading another edition of Rico Brony. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 